Brian here on Cody and Gold. Welcome to Radio Row, live in Arizona. Brought to you by Raygun and Baker University. We'll be here all week long getting you ready for the Chiefs Super Bowl. And tomorrow night, we have some special programming. Not only will we be doing the four hours of this show, we are also going to be on Arrowhead Pride Radio at 6 o'clock on 610 Sports Radio, live from Pub Rock Live. There's going to be a huge group of Chiefs fans out there. So if you're coming out early, you listen on the app, you're going to be out in Arizona early. We're all going to be out at Pub Rock Live tomorrow night. We'll be doing the Arrowhead Pride show, 5 o'clock local time, 6 o'clock here we should do in stunt. Kansas City. What kind of stunt? I don't know, something Arizona-related. Uh, we an could Arizona-related stunt? Uh, like catch a wild rattlesnake or uh, eat a cactus. Mm. Oh, can you imagine eating a cactus hole? Eat a cactus? Well, they serve cactus. Like They make like cactus tacos. Well, if it's like prepared in a way, it's not that big of a stunt. You're just talking about like taking a bite of a cactus that's just yeah. like outside. Yeah. Well, I don't want to do that. You don't think you don't think people would like that? I don't think so. I don't think it would draw people towards Pub Rock Live. I'll One guy that. we know is not going to be eating a cactus. Gold. Alex Gold. He's not allowed to. Are you sad he missed the the anniversary party? Yeah, I'm. Dude, I'm bummed. I've been planning incident? this. I was planning this all week because I put. I've been getting better about like when something funny on the show happens, putting it in my calendar to make sure we remember it the next year. And so I saw this last week. I was like, oh, we're going to be at the Super Bowl on the anniversary of the gum bucket. That's going to be so perfect. And I've been ready to unveil this all week. And then when, obviously, Gold got sick yesterday, I was like, oh, no. It's so much worse than I remember. What do you think he will be sadder about, missing out on Clark Hunt or missing out on gum bucket? Ooh, tough call. Mm. Mm. Um. I think gum bucket. I think so, too. I mean, look, Clark was great. And if you missed any part of that interview, we're going to bring it back to you coming up here at 1.30. But it's, you know, I, I imagine he's sad he missed both. And by the way, you guys, if you listen to the show enough, you know we all like to give each other a hard time. We're always ribbing each other. But this is yeah. one of those instances. We need to send some if, – if you're on Twitter, send Gold some well wishes. At, yes. At uh, Alex Gold on Twitter because – uh, this is Super Bowl week, and he's sitting back at the Airbnb, probably in bed right now. He tried to closed. drag his – he actually did drag he himself did. all the way out here, and we're like, go. We kept yelling, go home. He's one of those guys. You're like, sick. It's he, okay. Because Gold, in bless his heart, he's one of those guys that will just, like, try and try and just, like, make it happen. Because he thinks it it's, makes it harder on us. So he wanted to be here. So I don't, we're not giving Gold a hard time about not being here today. He is, like, deathly ill. So – um, no, no, okay, he's not deathly ill. He's not. Gonna he's going to live. He's going to live. Uh, play the breaking news sounder back there if you guys <laughs> have it. Uh, gold will live. But, uh, yeah, we just uh, – we, we, there we go. We need him to get better. So send your well wishes. Hashtag RIP. Hashtag RIP Alex. At Alex Gold on Twitter. It's tough. But we're glad to be back here soon. That's right. He's going to miss out on this conversation as well, which is a player I wasn't planning on mattering, but from like a – from an actual competitive standpoint, not just what he's done this season – Jalen Watson really matters for this team. One, he has a chance to cement some serious legacy stuff, Nick, because he's got a pick in each of the first two games. If he gets a pick in the Super Bowl and they win and he has three picks in three career postseason games and the biggest one of the regular season against the Chargers, legend stuff. But he also, they're going to try him the most. I feel like we have not talked about that nearly enough. Oh, how big Jalen Watson has become? Before we even get to him in the Super Bowl, two playoff wins, two playoff games in his career. Two playoff wins for the Chiefs, game-clinching interception versus Jacksonville, and a massive swing interception against the Bengals. This guy was a seventh-round pick, Cody. These dudes aren't even supposed to make the active roster. 
Not yeah. only did he make the active roster, McDuffie gets injured in week one. And he has to start. Fenton gets traded halfway through the season, seemingly because he got traded right when McDuffie was coming back. Yeah, it was like they were good with Joshua Williams and, so, and Jalen Watson. It. When, or Watson, when, when they made that When they made that move for Fenton, we thought, okay, they must really have faith in McDuffie, which is certainly part of the equation. But the other part of that equation was, and we don't think that Fenton's better than these two rookies that we have. Or if, if he is, it's marginal, and why don't, why don't and we And we want one of them to keep playing so that by the time, oh, I don't know, hypothetically, if we get to the Super Bowl, they'll be ready. Like, imagine this. Honestly, imagine this. Imagine if Rashad Fenton, still on this roster, was still getting snaps over Joshua Williams or, or, or Jalen Watson. Jalen Watson's probably not making those plays in the playoffs. It's funny to remind people, too. Rashad Fenton was a sixth-round pick. It's not like he was just some, like, guaranteed show-up-to-the-league rock star starter. Yeah. A, a six, a seventh-round pick beat out a former sixth-round pick. Now, a guy who had played and gotten starts and snaps, but, you know, like, I, I, was, uh, I was talking to Spags a little bit yesterday at media night, and this was kind of the point he was making about the young players, which was specifically defensive backs. He's like, look, I know I get a reputation that I, like, won't play young players. To me, it's not about if they're young players. It's about if they're ready to play. These guys are ready to play. They were ready to play. That's a massive difference because we, we sometimes just try to be like, oh, you know, man, Spags, he's had no choice, Nick. He had to play all these young players. Yeah. No, he had Rashad Fenton. He had a veteran player. He had a veteran player in the secondary they could have held on to. If he would have pushed the button, if he had told Brett Veach, come on, man, do not trade Fenton. We are not ready for that. These guys are not ready for that. We cannot go this operation. We're having a completely different conversation. But, like, I think he got overshadowed by – Mahomes played through, like, dragging his ankle through the mud, right, through yeah. two games. You watch him barely move against Jacksonville. Then he's limited against that. And you saw Chris Jones' monster game in the AFC title game. I think what happened is people forgot that he had two picks in the first two ever career playoff games. And what's important about this from what they're getting ready to do against Philadelphia and how they're getting ready to play them, Nick, is the Chiefs weren't taking the ball away. It's not that Jalen Watson's getting picked. It's that the Chiefs weren't taking the ball away at all. No. Like, period. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL in takeaways and one of the worst teams in the NFL in giving it away. When that shift happened is when Kansas City went on the Super Bowl run. Before that moment, I know I've given you a hard time and I got a song called Super Bowl Vibes or whatever, but before that moment, there were too many things going wrong to definitively be sure, oh, this team's going to the Super Bowl. But as simple as when they stop turning it over and Jalen Watson starts picking everybody off, Okay, well then, and they're going to test him a lot in this game. I think teams have started to just ignore McDuffie. They don't like to challenge him because he's always on his well, man. I don't know. They, they, Bengals kind of went after him for a little bit there in the first half. In yeah, the but it was, all, it was all hard-earned. It was all hard-earned. Like, oh, Jamar Chase got eight. Like, he, they didn't just pick on him. Mm-hmm. They pick on – they go after Joshua Williams. They go after Jalen Watson. Even at times, if it's over the middle, they go after Snead. Now, he missed part of that game due to the concussion, but – I feel like Watson's going to be the most tested corner in this game. Do you think I'm wrong? I mean, there's part of me that says these offensive coordinators are watching him make plays in back-to-back playoff games and saying, okay, maybe this guy's not an absolute liability that we can just pick on. I don't think it's that status. No, I don't he's this, not. I don't, this isn't Rashad Fenton's status, man. This isn't Marcus Cooper's status. Nobody's just going to say I'm throwing at that guy all game because he sucks. No, he's made – now massive plays in back-to-back games. And those aren't exactly scrub quarterbacks in Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. So there's part of me that says I'm, I don't necessarily expect him to get picked on. I don't expect him to be targeted because 
I mean, dude, even if he doesn't get another interception, would you probably, like, let's be honest, like the, the idea Odds are pretty low. that he's going to get another interception in three straight games seems pretty low. But even if it's two interceptions, three games, Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I think this guy needs to give, be given a, a ton of credit for stepping up in the postseason and potentially encroaching on, on legend. If he gets an interception, we are talking legend status. A, a seventh-round rookie in his first year getting three picks in three games, that is legend status if you get a ring on top of it. Doesn't even matter what else you do, right? You're just Malcolm Butler. Yep. Like, you can just have like a pretty normal career or no career or whatever. You'd be like, nope, doesn't matter. Yep. Jan Watson was a seventh-round pick in his first year as a starter. He got three picks on the road to the Super Bowl. He could flame out in three years and it won't matter. No, the pick this – is, this is like the Frank Clark conversation. The pick worked. You took a seventh-round pick, and he played meaningful snaps for you in the year you won a Super Bowl. He doesn't have to do anything else for the rest of his career for me. Like, and Brett Veach hit. Now, obviously, he's got bigger things in mind. And if they find an actual – because they, you know, we haven't spent – like, there's there's a bunch of players because they only have about 25 guys under contract next year. Like, we did the, like, what if this is Frank Clark's last game? We asked that after McColl got ruled out for the Super Bowl. What if this is McColl Hardman's last game? This is still Jerry Sneed's last game. Like, are you sure that they won't roll the dice now? They feel like they got a dude in Trent McDuffie, and they found two other starters. They found three starting corners in a single NFL draft. Are you sure that this is the team who seemingly can find guys to give you meaningful snaps at the cornerback position in literally any round of the NFL draft? Are you sure that's the team that's going to pay Legere's need a year after they walked on Charvarius Ward, a year after they traded Marcus Peters? I mean, a you year don't after do they, that. Do they walk on corners all the time? You don't do that forever, right? Like, eventually you pay someone, Correct. I think so, but I again, I don't, I don't know that I would just pin it down to that and say for sure that that is the case. I think there's a lot more wiggle room than that. Meanwhile, in the rest of the AFC West, things continue to go fun. If you missed our conversation earlier with Ryan Leaf, we talked a little bit about Brandon Staley, but that's not the coach we're worried about right now. Sean Payton officially announced that the Denver Broncos head coach, and the most interesting thing he talked about was, well, that's not going to happen on my watch. When asked about Russell Wilson's many staff members who tend to be in the building, come with him too, and his own little office at the stadium, right? Much maligned Russell Wilson. Dude, Sean Payton firing a shot across the bow. I know that we don't want Denver to be successful. It's fine. But that's the right move. He has to put a stop to the nonsense right away. And there's been way too much nonsense around Russell Wilson. It sounds like a lot of what Russell Wilson dealt with in Seattle, which didn't end well, which is somebody telling him that he's not calling the shots. Sean, there's an adult in the room, once again, who's not going to let this quarterback just do whatever he wants. That's what we're looking at. You didn't have that under Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't have enough juice, dude. He didn't have enough juice to tell Russell Wilson to kick rock. No, but, but He'd never even been a head coach. But what I'm saying is, it didn't work out. Russell Wilson didn't like that. No, he didn't. But tough luck. He's going to have to just be miserable. Dude, what's the choice? Nick, honest to God. Like, if anybody else, like, and I get it that it doesn't work this way all the time, but, dude, wouldn't you be looking to change something after you just had the worst career year of your life? You're a laughingstock. Russell Wilson cares about his image, dude. He don't want to be a laughingstock. That's what he is. So here is the actual exchange yesterday with Sean Payton when he was asked about Russell Wilson having his own personal coaches in the building. On the 30-second Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a personal coach. Jake Hughes in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Uh, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's 
foreign to me. That that's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. Didn't leave much open to interpretation. Not like, we'll talk about it with him. No, it's not happening. It's not going to happen on my watch. I'm not even familiar with it, and that's insane. So the, the, that guy that he's talking about, uh, Jake Heaps, uh, was a BYU quarterback, was the Mountain West newcomer of the year, had a setback as his sophomore season, said, you know what, I want to go try things somewhere else. I want greener pastures. You know where he went, Cody? No. Kansas. He went and followed Charlie Weiss to the University of Kansas. Now, let's not really get into what he did in his Kansas career because... Well, it went under Charlie Weiss, so not great. Yeah, not great. Not great. Not a lot of success stories in the Charlie Weiss era at Kansas. So he, uh, he, he didn't do a lot, but then he moved back to Seattle. He does, like, radio work, but then he started working out with quarterbacks. He starts doing, like, individual training stuff, which we see all the time, right? All these guys have individual coaches, yeah. trainers in the offseason. The difference is Mahomes has Bobby Stroop. Doesn't matter, right? But you know what Bobby Stroop doesn't do? He doesn't show up to Chiefs practice. He's not in the building. This is kind of like what happened with uh, Alex Guerrero and Tom Brady in New England. Remember that whole debacle where yeah. he wanted his private trainer in there and he wanted him traveling on the plane and he had him wanted him to have an office set up in the building. And eventually Belichick's just like, no. We're, you don't get your own private training staff. Now, we did have an office there. But Look, you can get away with some stuff if but you're But eventually great. they cut that out. Yeah. That ended up being part of the fissure between Brady and Belichick and that organization. The difference is Brady was still playing at an incredibly high level. It's easy to pull those strings when you're winning, when you're, when you're the worst, literally the worst quarterback in the NFL. Like, Sean Payton doesn't have to put up with anything. You may be, you, you may be making a lot of money, but after the season that you just had, I'm not sure how much pull Russ still has in that organization. Because that's it. You can get away because I could always be like, hey, Michael Jordan had like three lockers. I'm like, well, he's Michael Jordan. So sucks to be anyone else, I guess. But that's how this works. He is Michael Jordan. You're not. So, yeah, he gets to do more things that you don't get to do. Because it's uh, Barry Bonds, right? He was kind of infamous for that as well. Yeah. Like, little stuff Barry Bonds gets, and I don't like, well, he's Barry Bonds. So, yeah. <laughs> That's how this works. But Russell Wilson, in a single calendar year, Nick, wrecked that whole vibe. No, it didn't even take a calendar year. Oh, yeah, what, it like two like, months? Yeah, seven months maybe. I don't know how this is going to go, though, because, I, I mean, st we can get into the schematics offensively of what Sean Payton's going to bring to the table. But, again, he is going to step in from day one and say, this isn't your show anymore. I know you got out of Seattle so that you could come to a place where you're calling all the shots. That's not going to be the case anymore. Now you've got another guy. I mean, it's, we're back to square one where they were at in the Seattle where it's a power struggle between the head coach and the quarterback. Unless you're telling me that Russell Wilson is just going to say, you know what, it didn't work last year. I'm willing to acquiesce some power and try and fi I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. What's to he going to do, demand a trade? I would tell him, because like, right now, that'd be it. Be like, I, I want to get out of here. Be like, no one's going to trade for you, Russ. I have nothing to do with you. I can't do anything with you, man. So unless you want to just void your contract and not be paid by us, you have to play here. I have to coach you, and you have to play here. And you have to follow. Like, honestly, he needs that. Like, going back now in retrospect, apparently Russell Wilson, it turns out, shouldn't have had all that control. You no shouldn't say. have maybe just turned things over to him and been like, cool, man, it's all yours. Now, look, again, if Patrick Mahomes said, I want an office, and I want my own people in the building. I'd be like, okay, Pat, sure, man, no problem. You got it. I'd question if it was a good decision, but I'd still give it to him, Nick. I know how the Broncos fell into this trap. They were desperate. They'd gone through nine bad quarterbacks in a row, and then they Matt Castled themselves. They're like, we got to get a quarterback, man. We're so desperate. 
They traded away a million picks, paid him. And this was the, the biggest mistake they made was not the trade. The biggest mistake they made was extending him before he had played for them. And I don't know if that was part of his contingency. Like, that he said, hey, look, if you're trading for me and you want me to be here, I need an extension now. But, damn, that was the part you screwed up on. Because if he only had one year left on his deal right now, we'd be talking about, well, uh, they give up all those picks, but they are getting ready to be out of the Russell Wilson business. It's so puzzling to me now looking back on it. Like, did you not do your due diligence as an organization to try and figure out the type of guy that you were getting in there? Because one thing I feel like that the Chiefs have done so well, and they're, they're, no, but they don't bat a 1,000, nobody bats a 1,000, is it's not just that you go after star talent. You look at the offseason the Chiefs had where you let Tyreek Hill walk, all these other teams, whether it's the Eagles bringing in A.J. Brown, the Broncos brought in Russell Wilson, Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just about going after talent. It's not about accruing talent. It's about understanding the value players that you're bringing in. Tyreek Hill is an incredible football player. He immediately made the Dolphins better. Yeah. That's a good value. Even though he is expensive, you are getting a return on that investment. A.J. Brown brought him in, gave him a contract extension. We just talked Frank Clark, right? Opened up your offense. That's an incredible value. Russell Wilson, you thought you were getting a franchise quarterback. You thought you were getting a guy who could come in and change things around. But then you also gave him one of the richest contracts in NFL history. (laughs) He is, no question, the worst value in the NFL. Yes. And you cannot. Not like it's hard. You cannot win with it. Impossible. Impossible to win with a quarterback who plays like that with a contract like that. And it seems to me very, very unlikely. A fool's errand to think that any coach is going to come in and say, hey, man, you kind of sucked last year. So what do you say you, you hand the reins back over to me? What do you say I call the shots this time around? One year in, does Russell Wilson strike you as the guy who possesses the humility to take a step back and say, you know what, you're right. No. I'm not quite the guy I thought I was. Maybe I need to take a step back, give some of the control back to you guys, and just be the quarterback. No. I don't need to be GM. I don't need to be coach. I don't need to be play caller, offensive coordinator. I'm just going to be quarterback. You think one year in, Russ is going to be willing to do that just because Sean Payton is going to bang a ring on the table? Dude, uh, Pete Carroll used to get to bang a ring on the table. It didn't stop him there. Well, but, but Russ won a w- ring with Pete Carroll. So when you do it together. It's different. You get to say, well, no, we did that. And, and, and I'm sure if in Russ. But he gets case, to say, I did that, you know, and he went to two of them. Did Sean Payton even get to a second Super Bowl? No. Russell Wilson's played in more Super Bowls than Sean Payton's coached in. Like, I don't, I don't think, I just, maybe I'm way off here. I don't think he's going to concede any, he's not going to want to concede it. Do you think they, do you think they asked Russ? About Peyton? Yeah. Ooh. I bet they ran it by like, hey, Russ. Uh, we're doing this. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to do Sean Payton. We think it's good. Look, it's not like Russell Wilson's going to be like, Sean Payton's a bad coach. Well, because, well, because of how he's bad, just going to be positioning himself well, to try wonder, to get the power. Because of how bad of a season he had, do you even check with him? Do you even? I think you still like fly by the tower. You owe him two hundred and fifty million dollars. You actually do still want him to be happy. You want him to work with Sean. Want him to be good. Yeah. You want him to just not be awful. No, if you're the Broncos. Yeah. I don't care if he's awful all the time. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. I don't care about the Broncos. Are they can be as bad as they want. Honestly, it's kind of nice. Chiefs haven't lost them since 2015. Nick, were you still in college then? What were you doing in 2015? No, I was in college. Uh, well, I was on. 
I, I stuck around a little while longer. There were a few more things I wanted to learn before I got out of college, but I was out by 2015. Okay. I think it was about 2014. I think you told J.J. Piccolo earlier you were in college for seven years. That's like doctor stuff. That was Ryan Leaf. Oh, that was Ryan Leaf. Sorry, I, all the guests blended together. For I, try to Im- I tried to impress J.J. Piccolo. <laughs> you not try to impress Ryan I think, Leaf? I think it works. Ryan Leaf was really good. He was. Ryan Leaf was really good. Great when we luck. come back, if you missed any part of our interview with Clark Hunt, we're going to bring it back to you next year on Cody and Gold. Back in here from Arizona. Welcome back to Radio Row, of course, on Cody and Gold, live in Arizona, brought to you by Ray Gunn and Baker University. We are hopeful Alex Gold will be back on the show tomorrow. We've not checked back in in a few hours. He did just send his first tweet of the day, though. So I'm going to take that as a sign. He's feeling better, Nick. He's up. He's on his feet. He's feeling a little bit better. Anything possible for Alex Gold. But if you missed the interview earlier with Clark Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, he was brought to you by Ag Power, John Deere Ag Power, your local authorized John Deere dealer, and by Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's, every Tuesday, order a large signature of thin crust pizza for $12 at papamurphys.com. I'd started off asking him, seems like, I don't know, Clark, you're probably getting a little used to this Super Bowl thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a pleasure to be here. We're so glad to be in Phoenix and obviously playing in another Super Bowl, it's really a great opportunity for the organization. I know you've talked a lot about it, but I mean, I'm sure at some point you have the conversation and you sit back and you're like, okay, we've come a long way since 2012. I know the story was you're standing on the tarmac telling Andy he can't leave. <laughs> I'm assuming you go back at that decision and be like, oh, thank God I did that and didn't let him go somewhere else. Yeah, you, you know, with the benefit now of a, a decade having Andy as the head coach, I, I do reflect uh, you know, back on that as a real turning point uh, for the franchise. I mean, he, you know, he came in, the job he did in year one where we opened the season 9-0 and with essentially the same roster that we had, had the year before where we only won a couple of games. Uh, just a real testament to what a great coach Andy is. Now five straight AFC championship games and three Super Bowls. So credit goes to he and our, our general manager, Brett Veach. You've seen so many different iterations of this team and going through so many different eras of Chiefs football, whether it was – Coming up as a kid and watching how your dad ran this team and then taking over yourself and then now experiencing the success that you guys have, have you have you evolved how, how you sort of um, philosophically try to run this organization? Are there things about your job that you feel like have changed over the years as you've seen different types of, of teams and different uh, maybe cultures come through the organization? Yeah, I, I've reflected on the, the last 15 years since I uh, took over for my dad, and I certainly have learned a lot, and, I, and I'm sure that I, I've changed and matured as, as we've gone along. You know, probably the biggest uh, change was the organizational change that I made at the beginning of the 2013 season where I separated uh, the head coach and the general manager and had them both report to me. Historically, the general manager reported to me, the general manager hired the head coach, and I wanted to be in a position where I was the one leading the search to find the head coach. And then secondly, I wanted to be in a position to have uh, more frequent conversations with the head coach about the football team. Um, So I wasn't just hearing it all through the general manager's eyes. And that's really proved, uh, you know, beneficial uh, to me over uh, the last 10 years. And, of course, Andy's, you know, such a great guy to to work with. And uh, I've learned a lot working with him. When when Andy took the job, did he express any interest in being, like, the general manager too? Because, like, he talks about that time, like, nah, I was done with it. I wanted to be a coach. Did he express any interest in being like, you know, I don't mind. I kind of like that job too. Or was it, 
I want to be a coach and you find a general manager. Yeah, that was one of the topics that we covered very early on in, in that interview uh, because I had, had made the change and I wanted, wanted the jobs uh, separated. And Andy right off the bat said, look, I did both in Philadelphia uh, part of the time I was there. Um, and I enjoyed it, but what I really want to do is I want to be the head coach. And the game's gotten more complex. There's more to it. I think I can be a better head coach uh, if we bring in somebody else uh, to do the, the general manager's responsibilities. And uh, so anyhow, we, we got that, that you know, off the table right, right away, which you know, was, was one of the big questions I had, as I mentioned. You, you talk about not getting or maybe getting used to this, having done this now three times in four years. You expect to have success, especially with the coach you have, the GM you have, the quarterback, the players. Do you do you still try to fight the urge of making this feel normal? Like, do you still want to sit back and sort of smell the roses and think about, like, this is special to have a run like you guys have had because very, very few franchises get the chance to experience this ever, let alone in a four-year span? Yeah. Uh, um, well, first of all, it is very special, and and I, I don't don't want to miss that. And we feel very blessed to have had the success that we've had uh, over the last five years. At the same time, I don't want to get complacent because mm-hmm. the minute you get complacent in the National Football League, uh, somebody else is gonna gonna knock you off at the top rung. Um, there were a lot of teams that were gunning for us uh, this year, both in the division in the, in the AFC, that really loaded their rosters up. Uh, in part to be able to, to beat us. And uh, in a year of rural transition for the, for the Chiefs, um, you know, we were able to over, overcome all of that. And that's a credit to general manager Brett Veach and the job he did with the roster, particularly uh, the draft choices, uh, many of whom have played, you know, so well during the year. So I, you, you can't get complacent because the minute you get complacent, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be headed the wrong way. So how do you, how do you kind of walk that tightrope of – Hey, this is great. Everything's working. I trust these guys. Let's make sure we're just keep let's keep this train moving versus how are we thinking next step ahead? How are we thinking 2 years down the line to make sure you don't hit that wall and all of a sudden say maybe that complacency did set in a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh what one of the the big benefits that we have is having Patrick under contract for as long as we do. Really another 9 years uh after this season. That allows us to focus on continuing to build the roster around him. A lot of times when you have a quarterback on a, on a shorter contract, you're thinking about this window uh, that you have that might only be two or three years and how can we load the roster up and maybe sacrifice the future salary cap uh, to try to create space this year. Mm-hmm. We're really in a position where, where our goal is to figure out, okay, how can we be as good next year uh, as we were this past year, and how can we, you know, keep it going for another, another two or three years? And that really starts with with uh, Patrick and the stability he brings to the organization. When uh, I think I, I just read an article this week, uh, and it was talking about Brant Tillis said like two weeks after you drafted Patrick Holmes, like, hey, you better figure out how to pay him. <laughs> like you better start now. I don't know how to tell you. you. Drafted a guy tenth overall, so we better start figuring out how much money we need to pay this guy. Because let's just assume he's good. Because yeah. that's the easiest way. Is that about how early Brant brings up like, hey, we're going to have to pay the quarterback? Well, of course, you know, Brett had been on Patrick for two years yeah. before we we drafted him, and and uh, as Brett famously said, he he thought he was the best player that he had ever seen. 
Which Turns it, out he's probably right. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, <laughs> but at the time it sounded like a, a, an like, over, sure, overstep. Brad. But, yeah, but he, he, was ex- he was exactly right about that. So I, I think a lot about that, that first season where Patrick was the backup and Alex you know, was the starter and Alex had this tremendous year. But I kept getting clips that Brett would send me from training camp of Patrick doing things that nobody had ever seen, right, including the no-look pass, right? I knew what a no-look pass was in basketball. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I had seen it in soccer, but it didn't happen in the NFL. Quarterbacks don't make no-look passes, but he was doing that kind of stuff in practice, and I think that's where, where Brandt and, and, and Brett and the rest of the staff sort of you know, realized, hey, we've got something special, and pretty soon we're going to have to pay him. I know the Royals are talking about uh, moving downtown, building a downtown stadium. How much time have you guys started started to put into what Arrowhead can become in the future? What is sort of, whether it's a five-year, ten-year outlook on what Arrowhead can become and what changes will be made to the stadium? Yeah, so uh, we started thinking about uh, the future of the stadium a couple of years ago when, when the Royals uh, started working on, on the direction that they want to head. Uh, at the time, it was a little bit early for us because we had ten years left on, on our lease. Uh, at Arrowhead, but I, I've learned over time that, that stadium renovations or construction, that, that takes uh, a long time. So probably good that we started th- thinking about it. Um, you know, we had a, a renovation of the stadium back in 2009, 2010 that really modernized it, and uh, I think it's still one of the best places to watch a football game in the country. But the building is 50 years old, and, and we've got to think about that and think about what's best for the future of the franchise, what's best for our, for our fan base. Would it be a, a new stadium or another renovation on Arrowhead? So it's something that we're working on, and we're trying to work in tandem with the Royals on, on their process as well. How tough is that? Just knowing, I mean, this is I mean, the mecca for NFL football. This is widely regarded as the greatest football stadium. How tough is it to say, like, I don't, I don't really want to touch this. I don't want to mess with anything, but also there is sort of this idea of keeping up with the Joneses in the NFL and making sure you're doing the same things that are going to keep you guys at the top end. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That That's a big part of the calculus is, is thinking about what Arrowhead means to, to our fan base. Uh, they're really sort of two stadiums in, in the league that, that um, are older buildings that I think almost every football fan during their life wants to go to, one being Lambeau and the other one uh, being Arrowhead. And when I'm out in the parking lot with our fans tailgating, you know, I, I'll hear that. I'll find somebody says, this is my first game here. I've wanted to come for years, and I'm so excited to be here. And they may not even be, be a Chiefs fan, mm-hmm. but they're, they're just glad to be at Arrowhead. Uh, so we understand the, the importance that it has to, to our fan base and, and the legacy of the stadium, and that will certainly be part of the decision. Clark, what's, what's, uh, let's say it's either Arrowhead or a new stadium, and if it's on the same site, what's kind of your dream vision for what the rest of that area looks like if Kaufman goes unused? Well, uh, something that we discussed – back in 2005 and 2006 was the ability to do some development uh, on, on the site. And at, at the time, uh, the, the feedback we received from, from the developers in Kansas City, you know, that area wasn't ready for, for development. It's something that we'll explore again um, because, you know, t- time's passed and then uh, development patterns had, have changed. Uh, certainly, we we would love to see some more development or, around the facility. We think that'd be. You good, think like Titletown, like Lambo, even? Uh, uh, that yeah, you know, that's something that's very specific. That's sure. in a way attached uh, yeah. to the stadium. Uh, it's also a little bit like the lawn uh, here in Arizona uh, at the yeah. stadium. You know, which 
uh, since we were here at the beginning of the season, I, I got to see, and they've, they've, they've built some uh, sports bars and so forth on, on that, and, and the fans love being there. Uh, so if we have the space to do it, we'll, we'll definitely think about adding amenities outside the stadium, whether it's a, a new building or a renovation. A couple more quick questions here with Chiefs Chairman and CEO Clark Hunt. We had said don't get used to it. Uh, you've been to a couple of Super Bowls now. Are you superstitious? You got any routines you stick to? Uh, we, we, we try not to be uh, superstitious, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really hard. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, my, my wife and I, I always kiss each other before every game, okay. Okay. which is, which is uh, something that my parents used to do uh, before oh, wow. every game. We sort of picked that up from them. So that 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 that'd be one and one I enjoy. <laughs> no, 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 no pregame meal. You're not eating the same breakfast every morning before a game. Nothing like that. No, no. I, I eat too much during the games in, anyhow. So it's like a nervous <laughs> eating. Are you a nervous watcher? I, I'm, I'm totally a nervous eater. Yeah. <laughs> and so and, and we've got popcorn. You know, right right inside. And I don't know how many times I visit the popcorn bin during a game. <laughs> Clark, it's so weird because like any any time you get to like you know you own the Kansas City Chiefs when you get to this level, we hear like, hey, Clark likes this. Or they're like, I don't know. I have Clark. I can ask him. I heard once that you eat way healthier half the year and less healthy the other half of the year. Is there any truth to that? That 100% true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. It's like a six-month, six-month break of six-month. Healthy as can be, yeah. other six months, whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and the six months I don't eat healthy tends to be during the football. Season. Okay, it, it's a football season. <laughs> it's winter, and I refer to it as fat season. So this is basically your, this is basically your last week, right? Yeah, uh, well, it, it always drags to about spring break. <laughs> it's, it's a really hard habit to break. But when you start sure. eating bad, it's it's hard to, uh, hard to get course. out. Of course, I know all about it. I constantly honor fat season in yeah, my life. Yeah, it's twelve months. Clark, we really appreciate it. Let's just quickly. I know. Look, we're gonna get the answer. But we ask everyone their game predictions brought to you by Ag Power John Deere, your local authorized John Deere dealer, and by Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's every Tuesday order a large signature or thin crust pizza for $12 at PapaMurphy's.com. Your official game prediction, do you have one for us or are you going to wait till Sunday? Yeah, well, uh, the, the Eagles are an outstanding franchise. Um, and a great football team. It's going to be a really close game, but I'm counting on Patrick Mahomes <laughs> pulling it out at the end. Seems wise. Clark, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. Really enjoyed having Clark Hunt on earlier. Again, all of our guests are brought to you by Ag Power, your local authorized John Deere dealer, and by Papa Murphy's. Get any medium two-topping pizza for just $6.99 in-store or at papamurphys.com. Nick, do you also honor fat season? Is that how you treat football season? No, I don't. I don't. Missed um, opportunity, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. But, gosh, I list, listening, I felt it at the time, and it's good to listen back to that. Did it not? Did you just? Did you feel Clark and I vibing? You think you and Clark were vibing? Oh yeah, man. I thought we had a good vibe with Clark Hunt. Yeah, I think I had a good vibe with Clark Hunt. I agree. I said we. Yeah, yeah. Why would? Why do you think it was you, no, you specifically? No, it, it wasn't. I don't think anything was bad about you. He was. The, he told me that it was true about fat season. I didn't know he called it that, but yeah, you know. he didn't hug you afterwards. Did he hug you? Yes, when, when, right when you were wrapping up, I, I put my headset down and I and I sh- went to shake his hand, and he said, "No, no, no, come here." And he, I don't remember. I feel like I would have remembered you and Clark Hunt. And then he picked Hunt. me up. He like grabbed Hunt. me around the waist and he like picked me up. He's like, "Oh, you're a big boy, aren't you?" <laughs> I know, but it was cool. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm kind of sad I missed it. I don't know. I yeah. must. It must have been a busy moment because that was, you know, right when Ryan Leaf was sitting down. It must have been mm-hmm. as he was sitting down. Ah. Uh, Clark that's why you missed Hunt it. Well, right, yeah, Ryan Leaf, so tall, you probably he was probably standing in the way. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. must that must have been it, though. It was that cool. Must have been it, it was cool, man. What do you think the Chiefs are really going to do about the stadium thing? It seems obvious, right, that they'll just tear down Arrowhead, 
build a fancy new stadium and put a bunch of stuff around it? No, I don't actually. I don't think they're going to tear down Arrowhead. You think they're going to keep Arrowhead? Are they ever going to tear down Fenway? Dude, I'm not saying. No, no, no. Are they ever going to tear no, down Fenway? Well, I don't know. I, I would never say never. Are, are I would have thought they were going to tear down are, Yankee Stadium. But are they, they going to tear down Wrigley? Wrigley, no. I don't think that's ever getting torn down. They're not tearing down. Right? They're, they're, are they ever going to tear down Lambeau? Dude, you are talking about things that exist in a different realm than Arrowhead. Wrigley's been around since, for, like, Arrowhead's been on the 70, you know, like, 1970. It's not, it's not the same as, it's like 50 years old, not 100 years old. There's a huge difference between some of these old ballparks you're talking no, about. No, no, there's not, dude. They, they can just renovate the hell out of it. Okay, Allen Fieldhouse is 60 years old. They're not ever tearing that down, Cody. Here, I hear, I'm here to tell. I'm here to let you know, that building is not modern compared to some of the other basketball arenas. But no, they're not, not tearing it down. In oh, it is not happening. I feel so strongly about this. See, I don't feel as strong as you. I, I don't think it's impossible that they would keep it up and then just choose to do it differently. But I'm also not as confident as you are that they won't decide to just build a new stadium because. I mean, you said keeping up with the Joneses, and you said that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, okay, but you can do both. Yeah. You have an iconic stadium, Cody, and, and here's the Yeah, th- you do. And here's the problem. You have an iconic stadium. The chances of you tearing that down and building another, name Icon- one modern iconic stadium. There isn't one. There is not one. There are cool stadiums now. SoFi is cool. It's not iconic. That's the trade-off you make, you unfortunately. You don't do it. You do not do it. They're, ne- they're never tearing Lambeau down, and it's the other stadium that he brought up. I think they are going to do everything in their power to f- invest money into that stadium, fix it up, modernize it as best they can without making any real substantial structural changes, and I think that's the right move. Because, you know, it's – like I'm not, and I'm not saying – they were built around the same time, right? So Arrowhead and Kaufman. And you tell yourself, wasn't Kaufman an iconic stadium? They're going to tear it down, man. They're going to put Kaufman State, you know, they're going to put a downtown stadium. Sometimes, and I know that this sounds harsh, but, like, sometimes teams will choose cool over yeah, yeah, historic. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Unless the team is owned by the son of the guy who built the freaking stadium and is one of the biggest names in terms of, like, when you think of the godfathers of the NFL, Lamar Hunt is one of those guys. You think his son is going to tear down the stadium his dad built? It is not happening, Cody. It's not happening. It was a different owner. If this were the Bengals, they'd tear it down. It's Clark Hunt. His dad started the team. His dad brought them to Kansas City and built that stadium. And you think he's going to tear it down in the sake of building something cool and modern? <laughs> it's not happening. It you think is, dude, stand like, forever, huh? Dude, it is going to stand forever until somebody comes through and, said, and says, hey, this building is going to freaking collapse. Like, you have to tear it down. It is no longer safe. Until that moment comes... They're keeping it forever, and we can talk all about. I get it. I and I get, and, and anybody who thinks they are tearing it down, I totally understand it because there are a million reasons you can come up with as to why they should tear it down and build a new modern day. A million reasons, and they all make sense. But you only need one reason not to tear it down because it's Arrowhead, and that's honestly the only argument I need. It's Arrowhead. There is nothing like it. 
you cannot replicate it. There will never be another Arrowhead. You don't take that away willingly. You have this massive advantage. You have the, the mecca of NFL football stadiums. You don't just tear it down so we, so we can build something shinier. No. You're not going to tear down the pyramids. Okay, look, you're going too far. No, I'm not. I'm not going far enough. Arrowhead's more iconic. The pyramids? Than the pyramids, the great pyramids. Arrowhead is more iconic than the pyramids. Hmm. Interesting. How many, how many football games, how many, how many touchdowns have been thrown inside the pyramids? I mean, probably zero. Okay, I, then I don't want to say we're for done. sure. but Then we're done here. Probably zero. You know what's going to make it harder to tear down? The fact that they've hosted five straight AFC title games and won three Lamar Hunt trophies in it in the last five years. Hear me now. That's not going to make it easy. Hear me now and hear me clear. If they ever try to tear down Arrowhead, I'm chaining myself to the building. Wow. Bold. Yep. Yep. You want to take the Arrowhead down? You got to take me down with it. You know, I got to be honest. I don't think that's going to stop them. You think they just bold? Just just (laughs) steamroll me? Yeah. I think they're just going to take you down, man. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like they'd still just take you down. That's going to do it for us live here from Radio Row. Hope to have Alex back with us tomorrow. Of course, we're always brought to you here by Raygun and Baker University. But thanks to all of our guests, Clark Hunt, J.J. Pocolo, uh, and Ryan Leaf. I was like, who's the third person who joined us? And Ryan Leaf for being there. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.